What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mike Zuniga Films Podcast. In this episode, I have with me Nainoa Langer. He's a filmmaker and storyteller. He shares how he went from quitting his job to pursue filmmaking and now travels the world following his stoke, creating videos for companies and artists such as Beautiful Destinations, Zed, Elenium, and many more. So without further ado, Nainoa Langer. Thanks for joining me, Nainoa. I really appreciate it. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to share your story. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening right now will hopefully benefit from what you have to say. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, of course. Stoked to talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I want to just start out by asking, you know, what's your story? Were you always into making videos and film? Um, can you elaborate more on that? Yeah. Um, well, to give, I guess, the condensed version of, uh, I guess, my story with film anyway, um, I grew up on Molokai, which is, I mean, it's really, very tiny island here in Hawaii. Um, and pretty much up until high school, I had kind of zero idea what I wanted to do mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Kind of still don't, but uh, <laughs> I've been lucky enough to find a path in filmmaking. But um, yeah, I, I really just went through, I guess, the earliest years of my life kind of not knowing what I was doing. So I moved over, I went over to Oahu, um, went to community college and did the whole you know, go to school and figure out what you want to do thing. Right. And photography, you know, video was never kind of part of my story up until I was about 21. Um, I'm 25 now. So I went maybe three years after high school of just working random jobs and going to school, but not really having any passion, not finding anything, you know, worthwhile that I want to do with the rest of my life. Um, so I worked at a hospital actually right out of high school for about three years um, just doing surgical sterilization and, you know, kind of just, you know, grunt work, a job. It was a job for yeah. me. Um, and it was at that point when I actually got introduced to a GoPro uh, from a friend. So that was my first camera. And that was like the first type of hit that I had of nice. photography and videography. Because we grew up, I mean, growing up here in Hawaii is the most naturally, you know, beautiful place that I've been. I mean, like, I love it. And to be able to just go out in, in my backyard and just film, you know, amazing stuff, it was, it was a very just new experience for me. And I loved doing it. Um, this was at a point where Instagram was very, I mean, kind of like on the rise where this GoPro mm-hmm. trend started to pick up and you start seeing GoPro selfies and all these GoPro edits. And that was like, I was part of that group, I guess. Yeah. What year was um, this again? It was like, this was like 2000 uh i want to say like 14 14 2015 yeah 14 15 yeah, yeah that, that, that's, that, real, that sounds about right it like kind of peaked up mm-hmm. over there um and so i was lucky enough that i kind of got a decent amount of attention from it um i was kind of like on the i guess the higher tier of like the gopro thing and with hawaii it was like you know i owed a lot to just like where i was um so i got super lucky on that but it led me to, uh, you know, discovering a passion for creating film and, and video. And so from there, it just, uh, I guess it just evolved and it expanded and it grew. And um, about a year, I think, after I actually got the GoPro is when I decided to quit my job at Queens and just like, you know, I decided, hey, I'm if I love this and like I actually got really good feelings from it, I wanted to, you know, just make it what I wanted to do full time. And I had this idea of just, you know, turning that into what I spent all my time doing. 
Um, and from there, it just kind of progressed. And I've been able to, you know, do a lot of opportunities travel wise. I feel like that's, I guess, my main niche now and what I'm focusing on. But um, yeah, it's just, it's totally just like expanded and changed my life and just I get to wake up and, and do what I love to do every day now. So it's pretty cool. That's kind of, I guess, the condensed version <laughs> overall. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was, you know, some challenges that you had to face along the way. I mean, what, oh, what, what, were, what was like one challenge that you faced? Because I know a lot of um, a lot of people that I talk to, especially the ones that are just starting out and filming, they may be just coming out of college or they're at a job, but they have that kind of like pool of filming that they want to do and create videos but you took that leap to quit your job and follow what you want to do um so like what was one challenge or one hurdle that you had to get over during that time yeah i think um well if i try to put myself back in i guess in those feelings of of what it was because that was about two and a half years ago i want to say now um it's scary i mean honestly it's like i for a lot of people, what they're doing now, most of the time you can get really comfortable if you've been doing it for a little while or, you know, if it provides you with a, a safety net of like financial or, you know, whatever type of um, resource that might be. And for me, that was my job. You know, that was how I made a living. That was how I was paying the bills. That was how I was eating. And with this whole idea of giving that up to find or to like just to do something that's totally not stable. I mean, mm-hmm. just like it's a completely you know, value-based type of, uh, I guess, career where you're earning, you know, just solely off of how much work you put in and the opportunities that come your way. Right. Um, So that idea of giving up that stability was absolutely nerve-wracking and just totally terrifying to me. Um, And so I think that's why I pushed it it back for about a year. Um, And it it takes a while. And so that was a challenge for me. It was just kind of really convincing myself and, I guess, believing – in what I could do um, before I really, you know, made that leap. A lot of the time I treat it, and I guess I, I've, I feel like I've treated it like a lot of the things I've done in my life anyway. So um, I related a lot to like cliff jumping or, mm-hmm. you know, doing the things that you're right on the edge of doing and you know, it's not going to be comfortable, but once you do it, it's going to be, you know, you're going to feel amazing afterwards. And so that's exactly how it was for me when I, as soon as I gave my two week notice, it was just like, all this weight came right off. Uh Um, And I feel like, you know, a lot of the challenges that we go through even later on in the career of filmmaking, whether it's, you know, hard drive failing or something like that, you know, it's just, you work through it all Mm -hmm. and it all kind of plays out the way it's supposed to. And um, yeah, those are, I guess, I mean, there's challenges in so many of the things that we Mm -hmm. do, but the big one was just making that leap. I'm so glad I did. And for anyone who's listening, I mean, that's, if you feel that pull, like that's what the whole idea with follow your stoke is, you mm-hmm. know, is doing those things that you feel pulled to do. Yeah. That, that holds some truth in what you said for sure. <laughs> so backtracking just a little bit, you said you didn't go to film school. Is nope. that correct? Not at all. Yeah, um, not at all. How do you think that benefited you in what you shoot, like in your style, for example? Yeah. Um, well, I think, and I, I don't really mean to, I guess I could be completely just spitballing here, but film school, I feel 
maybe taught a lot of the traditional ways or just the way that things have already been done possibly. Um, I feel like I've never actually really thought about this, but not having that type of background has really like made anything kind of fair game. You know, it's like, there's not this structured uh, type of maybe, uh, I don't know how to say it, like guidelines of what we're creating um, to tell you what to create or how to create it. Um, and so not, ha- I feel like not having that, that background and being self-taught and just being able to look at other inspiration from, um, you know, other creators, it's huge, you know, and it keeps you kind of just always being fresh or, you know, finding creativity in as many ways as you possibly can. Um, one way for me personally is I've started messing with music because of actually starting to get into film and being able to put those things together. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if film school may have, you know, had a little dent on that or not if I did go, but yeah, I've, I've always felt like there was this creative side that just wanted to be expressed. So if I could go back, maybe I'd go to film school, but <laughs> right now I'm, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on, on the type of person. I mean, mm-hmm. there's benefits and drawbacks for both going to film school 100%. and not going to film school. Yeah, and definitely. I've known a lot of people that went to film school and the connections they made there allowed them to really progress. And definitely the ones that yeah. didn't, I, I, it's still, it's still up to the person you know, Mm -hmm. how far they want to go. Completely, completely. And they're also, I feel like different paths in this, in the whole creative space. Um, If you ask me to direct a, you know, Hollywood movie or something, there's no possible way, but someone who was, who went to film school or like has that experience, then, you know, that's a hundred percent beneficial to them. Um, But yeah, in this, in this type of, I guess, YouTuber type of, you know, social creator, um, type of you know genre that we're in it's yeah we've you've been able to learn off of youtube and we learn just by doing so it's been kind of interesting <laughs> yeah youtube man that that has been a great teacher for film for sure yeah 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 it it, it really helped a lot mm-hmm. even all of the uh the really cool thing is i've been getting into too is these master classes like uh i think martin scorsese like a lot of oh, big yeah. filmmakers and, uh, you know, even composers like Hans Zimmer has a master class. They're just these kind of. I think I uh, seen those ads. It was like, yeah, yeah like they have like Dead Mouse, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. in there and then others, uh, other actors like Samuel L. Jackson. They're really, really cool. I guess insightful more than, you know, knowledge and really like teaching how to do something. Mm-hmm. But they get you, you know, right in front of, you know, the masters of their of their genre Mm -hmm. and just you know kind of opening up and sharing things with you so that's another i mean way that i've learned a lot too Mm -hmm. it's been pretty pretty cool nice nice so (laughs) i want to kind of dive into stoke life and follow your stoke because that is what you're all about that's your tagline and what you always place in all your videos so can you describe what that means to you and why you decided to start the Stoke Life series? Yeah, well, I guess I kind of touched on it. I mean, just with with my story, the whole idea of fall your Stoke, um, it came about from, you know, those those feelings of being called to do something and 
being stuck in a situation that, you know, really wasn't fulfilling me or Mm -hmm. making me happy with life. Um, So follow your stoke. I mean, to me really is just kind of everything that I've tried to embody with what I do and who I am. And yeah, I feel like I've always been pretty intuitive with the things that come my way and Mm -hmm. just the, uh, you know, everything in my life. And so whatever I've been pulled to do, um, I'll always kind of trust my gut. And a lot of the times, sometimes it doesn't mean whether it's the best decision financially or like for, you know, other aspects of my life, but I know it's what's going to fulfill me. Um, And so that's what follow your stoke is. And, you know, being able to use that as kind of a, I guess, guiding way throughout my journey has Mm -hmm. been, you know, I've always known that, you know, it's going to work out because I know it's what I'm doing is right for myself and feels good to me. Um, And so Stoke Life was just kind of, I guess, in a way, portraying all those cool moments that, you know, made me happy and got me really stoked to be alive. A lot of the inspiration behind it had, you know, was from people like Roy Kramer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that really kind of pioneered, I guess, those type of YouTube um, really hit flashy um, type of edits that... Like um, adventure style videos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, And so for me, it was just like my take on on what I wanted to do with my life. And luckily that's been able to progress and, um, you know, just take me to places around the world. And that's kind of what I wanted, I guess, out of it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's what, what Stoke life is for me now. It's, uh, it's kind of segueing into a bit more of a type of brand, but not really, but you know, something I definitely associate, you know, pretty much everything that I am with and, mm-hmm really try to just embody that in as many ways that I can. Yeah. So basically from what I got out of what you said, you took what you enjoyed the most in life and that's what you decided to film and create a series on, on YouTube. Were those, cause I remember I saw the first time I kind of like learned about you was the first video of your Stoke life series and actually, the one clip that I liked the most was with the uh, the lighthouse, where it spins around the lighthouse, nice. and then yeah. it, it spins. I was like, "Oh, that is awesome! That is so sick!" Yeah, yeah. Oh so my gosh, that that was it's like been, way back. When when did you? That's the thing. I was. I think it was about like it's got to be almost two years ago, maybe a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I. It's funny you mentioned that. Like I haven't looked back on any of that for so long now and so to mention that that whole hyperlapse like uh-huh. that was actually probably like the first hyperlapse i've ever done really um and that was yeah about two years ago but um how did you do it, that was was the was the ground level around the lighthouse no not no. at all okay so i think yeah so there was the weird so that was makapu lighthouse on oahu mm-hmm. um the way it's designed it's kind of just like on this point so there's i mean there's enough walkway around it maybe like 10 or 15 feet. So it had to, it was very angled up. Mm. Um, but there were rocks and like big, like little mounds along the way of dirt and stuff that I kind of just had to go uh-huh. over. Uh-huh. Um, so I tried to constantly say, I did all my, I do all my hyperlapses handheld. I oh, compensated really? by like moving them up and down and like uh-huh. trying to keep it where I thought was level and yeah. it somehow turned out okay. <laughs> wow. But you yeah. just basically find one point on the lighthouse and then you just try to, yeah, focus around yeah. that and then did you do any stabilization in post yeah, yeah there was a there was a bit of stabilization that happened um especially i mean with handheld you're just 
you're never completely on it mm-hmm. all the time yeah so it really helps out mm-hmm. um but then i think yeah when i aimed it was i made sure that when i was going around i was able to point at somewhere in the same area okay. so i aimed for like the middle of it mm-hmm. so when you're going around you're not going to be able to see that that same spot in the middle yeah but just kind of keeping that i guess aiming point sure yeah <laughs> well, it turned out great. So yeah, it's yeah, good it times. Awesome. Holy, thanks yeah. for the nostalgia. Yeah, of course, man. <laughs> um, so kind of piggybacking off of that was was that the first video, or like actual video that you kind of created, or was there videos before that that you started? So yeah, prior to that, um, I'd done I think about three Follier Stoke kind of recap videos, Mm -hmm. um, which were those big, you know, highlights of like the adventures that I'd done throughout the first few months or so. Mm -hmm. Um, But those those Stoke Life videos were actually the first ones where I was a character, I guess, or like where I was Mm -hmm. speaking and I had that vlog type of, I guess, thing going with it. Um, Before all of that, I was doing these 15, back when Instagram was 15 seconds long. I was doing these 15 seconds GoPro edits um, that would turn into like two, three minute YouTube videos. Um, and it was a lot, I mean, so much more grassroots and so less complicated back then, you know, yeah. you could just make things and push it out and it was fun and it was, wasn't a career, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> which I'm really happy for now, but um, yeah, all the videos prior to that was just pure fun and it was pure you know, adventure and what I love to do. And I still love to do, but yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean, it's all about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do, so yeah. were you, were you filming with the GoPro majority of the time for those films? Or, cause I think I saw you with like a Canon, was it a Canon DSLR? Yeah. I had a, so I had a GoPro for probably like the first year to a year and a half of, of when I was actually making things. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, camera I actually bought was a 5d mark ii which i was not really aware like i had no idea what i was getting myself into so mm-hmm. i ended up actually selling it like two months later oh, really? because i didn't really know what i was doing um and then i just stuck with the gopro again for like six four months wow uh yeah and then um my first actual real camera that i started creating with was a gh4 panasonic oh um, love that one yeah yeah so that was uh that was my work piece i still got it and it still works it's crazy dude i still use mine too it's awesome yeah it's a really good second cameras yeah um, i mean if only kind of had really good low light but you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's still, i mean it still kind of does a decent job yeah it does so, yeah yeah and uh yeah those are those are the original i mean it's like like i said so that's all i the equipment that i had was just the gopro and the yeah. gh4 Maybe I think I had an 18 to 35, the Sigma lens on that. Uh-huh. Um, that was like the big combination back then. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now now I shoot with a 1DX and I've got, you know, five different lenses, mm-hmm. but it's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you progress, <laughs> you know, you, you start, yeah, yeah. start learning from a simple camera and then over the time you progress and yeah, get better yeah. cameras. Um, so that's why I wanted to ask you. Um, first question a lot of people say, oh, you got to get the best gear. You know, it's all about mm. the gear. Um, mm-hmm. But you made it work with just the GoPro starting mm-hmm. out. So how did working with a simple camera like the GoPro really help your creativity as a filmmaker? 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if you, I know exactly what you're referring to when people kind of talk about that and they, you know, they say they want to get into filmmaking, they want to get into video production. Um, and then for me, I feel like I went a very different path than that. The GoPro, I didn't come off of it or I didn't come into it with the idea of I want to be a good filmmaker. The GoPro instilled it into me is like, you can be, mm. you know, a, a good, you know, creator some or someday or something. Um, so I think when I got my GoPro, it was just for the fun of it. And um, I knew that progressing, I'd need to, you know, expand it. But when I just starting out, it's like just as long as you can create with something, whatever it is that you have. I mean, I've seen some amazing things produced on just a phone, actually. Yeah. And I was actually right before we were watching this, I was watching uh, a documentary film entirely on an iPhone. Oh, really? And it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's actually, it's called Waspia by Sean Kusanagi. Uh-huh. And uh, it's shot entirely on a phone. And it's tri- it tripped me out. It was just such a good storytelling. Um, I think the stigma behind, you know, getting into filmmaking and everything is that you need the best equipment. You need to have everything you know, the best of the best going into it Mm -hmm. when that's completely not true. Um, And yeah, the, the GoPro, I mean, it just, it instilled in me the creative spark that I feel like you need if you want to get into this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it doesn't matter what camera does that for you, but yeah, you can make it happen with, with your phone. The cameras that are on your iPhones are just amazing these days. So is that, I think the the path that we're kind of on requires, you know, expansion of your equipment, your arsenal, but that comes in time, you know? Um, so I think it, it doesn't matter, not at all, mm-hmm. what, whatever you have, you know, create with what you have. The cliche, not a cliche, it's a true statement, but is, you know, the best camera is the camera that you have with you. So. Right. So yeah. speaking of story, um, what do you think goes into a good story for video? That is, uh, there's a lot. I mean, that's a loaded question. I feel like, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many different styles, right. you know, of, of creation or just like video production in general, where this very Western type of storytelling has, you know, the arc, which is, mm-hmm. you know, you have the highs and then some kind of problem happens where, you know, your character, whoever has to come back up and you're telling a story of, you know, some kind of drama that comes through. Right. As opposed to, um, you know, some kind of Eastern anime type of videos where (laughs) it's just like a completely kind of just hodgepodge of beautiful scenery with a compelling story. Like all storytelling, I feel like needs to have just something that can connect with whoever's watching it doesn't necessarily have to have some kind of problem or any kind of presented, um, you know, just, yeah, problem. Um, But if your viewer can connect with whatever it is that they're watching, whether it's emotionally or physically or somehow, you know, draws an emotion Mm -hmm. or feeling out of them, a reaction, Mm -hmm. then that in a sense is, you know, being able to tell a story. a big push for me recently has been wanting to get into a more documentary type of, um, I guess, like storytelling genre and what I'm doing now, tying that into, you know, the travel, the passion that I have for travel now and the type of editing that I do. Um, and so 
a lot of the time what that looks like for me is this this stories of real uh events or you know real type of um i guess things that are happening with you know the subject that i want to document um so even with this these episodes that i kind of talked about a little earlier um we're documenting the the history and the culture of hawaii as our first episode um and that's included interviewing you know several people um talking about their story and their past and Mm -hmm. um just like their ideas moving forward and so storytelling can range from you know these narratives or these these type of you know voiceovers that tell a story like generally Mm -hmm. or you know be completely creative and storyboarded with directing and yeah uh yeah (laughs) well i really like the um the one you did it was with Beautiful Destinations, but it was behind the handle with your friend Sam. Um, yeah, yeah. Captain Potter for all those that are listening. Um, <laughs> but I liked how you really added the narration in there, but it flowed to where you were following him as he kind of went through the land and, you know, he was under the waterfall. And it for me, it made me feel like I was with him in person and really he was telling me the story in person yeah and i like how that was shot and put together yeah thank you that that was really the first uh one of the first i guess like well it's still my proudest one of the proudest um pieces i've done but it was like that first kind of introduction to documentary type of um i guess hybrid with these travel videos Mm -hmm. Um, so visually that's I think that's the goal I wanted to do now is to still create that depth mm-hmm. of more than just you know visually pleasing shots and you know these adventure type of things but telling um, some kind of story of a person or of a place mm-hmm. that you know just adds more layers to the to the overall product yeah so that was, that was fun to work with Sam yeah <laughs> what island was that so that was on Kauai which is okay. where I where I'm at now. Um, and yeah, I think actually what's blossomed from that is this whole new series that we're getting into with beautiful destinations. Mm-hmm. And we saw how well we work together on that. And Sam's just such a, you know, in front of camera person that can write so well, he's got such, you know, good energy and, and ideas in him that mm-hmm. just, we found a good dynamic that I can kind of portray it a little bit, but he's still a good, you know, the main, I guess like direction of it all and mm-hmm. it's it's exciting moving forward i'm excited for for all of the things that are coming too with it <laughs> nice um so speaking of beautiful destinations um was that the first main or i would say bigger company that mm-hmm. you started creating videos for so from where you started creating mm-hmm. videos for yourself to starting to work with a company like like beautiful destinations can you go through that process and how that kind of flourished? Yeah, I uh, so the entire, I mean, pretty much up until I started working with BD, um, I was just doing what I was doing. It was those, you know, YouTube Stoke Lifes, the Follier Stoke videos where, you know, I was just kind of showcasing what I could do or like what I wanted to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily enough, I mean, that kind of fit in line with what beautiful destinations is doing and was doing at the time. Um, so I actually, I knew, um, Sam Colder before, or I mean like right as he got into BD also, Mm -hmm. um, 
And so we've been connected for about a year prior to that. But up until, I guess from, from prior to BD, I was just still doing, you know, these, you know, the Stoke Life and the Follow Your Stoke videos. And I was uploading to, to YouTube mm-hmm. um, that kind of just showed, you know, what I could do, I guess, in an editing type of sense. Um, and I was, you know, living a, a freelance type of lifestyle where I was shooting kind of these random jobs just to, to get by. Yeah. Um, so that ranged from like weddings and real estate things. And um, I always, I knew that I always made time to, well, I knew I always wanted to make time, you know, for these creative type of projects that I wanted to mm-hmm. do, which were, you know, the Fall Your Stoke and Stoke Life videos. Um, at the time when BD reached out to me, Sam Colder had just started working for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, I'd been connected with him for about a year prior to that. He, we hung out in Hawaii when he did his first like Hawaii video that, you know, kind of went viral. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, we kind of just always kept in touch. And I think he, you know, we've always been fans of each other's work and everything. So he reached out to me when he got connected with them and, you know, just said he was the only video guy there and he needed some help doing it. So I was like, you know what, this is exactly what I've wanted to to do with it, you yeah. know, and it, it took me to seeing the world and being able to travel with the BD team. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of owe a lot to Sam, you know, he's, he's been a big inspiration too and kind of paved the way for us. Nice. So did they reach out to you first? Yeah. Yeah. To start it well, off? Through, through Sam. Yeah. Through Sam. So through, through Sam, um, he showed Tom and Jeremy, uh, the the owners of BD, mm-hmm. it was my work, and they took me on a trip for the first time, for my first time out of the country. They just, you know, two weeks in, they they reached out and were like, "Hey, come out to New York, mm-hmm. um, come do a little bit of work," and then they took me out of the country to kind of test, give me a test run sure. of creating and yeah, the that same trip, I got offered to be a full time employee and full-time traveling content creator for them. I did that for about a year and a half. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. So kind of backtracking a little bit, um, for those people that are creating videos on YouTube, for example, and Mm -hmm. they may feel like, you know, they're getting stuck in a rut or they may ask themselves, you know, am I going the right direction? Mm -hmm. Um, And they're probably not seeing any traction. Mm -hmm. For you, was there... Did you experience that earlier on when you started making those videos? Yeah, to a to a degree. Um, I was actually kind of lucky because I had a little bit of an established Instagram presence, um, and that was but that was through the GoPro, you know, videos and all of this kind of exposure that I got from that. Mm-hmm. So when I segued into, you know, creating these kind of more filmic videos with you know bigger cameras and type of bigger edits Mm -hmm. um i kind of had something a little bit of you know an an audience going already um which in turn you know kind of led to other people seeing my work and these opportunities kind of just coming my way um but in the beginning beginning it was i never really felt that no it wasn't i think because i never went into it with the goal of like i want to be big or i want to be something you know or I I knew that this was something that I wanted to keep doing and I knew that inevitably if I keep doing it there's no way that I'm not gonna grow so my whole 
I guess, idea with everything wasn't this. If I, I mean, trust me, there were like some very, very stagnant times, like, yeah, of just you know, where I was just not knowing what I was doing with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I knew that I just want, I wanted to create, and so like that idea of just doing things new and different and there was never a shortage of creativity to be had i knew that if i just kept doing that i'd still be happy no matter what um and i think that reciprocated which i think always does with you know just an audience and people that connect with that idea people will see your work no matter what so regardless of if you're going through a tough spell now keep doing it if you truly love it and if you truly love the process of it mm-hmm. then that inevitably is going to take you places i think that was a another thing that i've been told was um fall in love with the process you know not not the result of everything because it's the process that's you know everything and so if you actually love filmmaking actually love doing it and creating it and having a final product it doesn't matter what happens at the end of it it doesn't matter who sees it but you did it for yourself and you because you actually genuinely are passionate for it um falling in love with the process is huge and i honestly believe inevitably like there's no possible way that you won't you know have opportunity come your way if you just keep doing it um so i think what's really important is to ask yourself why you're doing it in the first place you know what's the purpose behind it and um from there you know that's where you'll start to see fulfillment in not just one way, but financially and, and internally. Yeah. There's so much more depth to it than just making videos and being known. So. Right. Cause you didn't, yeah, you didn't have uh, in mind when you first started making those videos, you're like, okay, I want to be on beautiful destinations. I want to work with these big name artists and go on tour with them you know, no. <laughs> you you basically just did what you love to do mm-hmm. to the best of your ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was an audience that eventually followed and really enjoyed what you had to make. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Nailed it. I think there was a, I mean, there was a little bit of degree of like uh, goals of like what I wanted sure. to do, but they were more, they're very much more experiential because of what I wanted to prove to myself almost like Hmm. I know that I want to work with, you know, very influential, I guess, people or companies, but that's not why I'm doing it. You know, (laughs) the why was way more powerful than the result. Um, And so, yeah, that's how it kind of played out in the beginning. still does. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to start somewhere, at least have some structure in where you're going. Right. But for the most part, it still has to be, it has to be coming from somewhere that makes you happy personally. Yes, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So kind of following up with the Beautiful Destinations, um, now currently I've seen you go on tour with these awesome artists like Alenium, uh Odessa. Did you mm-hmm. go on tour with Zed as well? Yeah, yeah. So I did, uh, I did a few projects actually with Zed. That was actually through Beautiful Destinations as well. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we did several projects um, with him and his team. And it, that was actually, he was my first bigger artist to, that I got to work with before Elenium, before Odessa. Hmm. Um, 
yeah, great, great people. It's really fun to, it was a good kind of just eye-opening experience too. <laughs> oh, for sure. I, yeah, yeah. You know, I bet. So when it comes to going on tour and filming for these artists, because I'm sure there's some people out there that are wondering, okay, how can I go and, and start filming, you know, for concerts, start filming for these artists backstage? Um, what are some pieces of advice or tips that you have for those that want to get into that space? Yeah. Um, well, for me, I think honestly, like when you have the desire to want to do something that, you know, you need to break into, for example, like you said, these festivals are like working with these DJs are going on tour. Um, you kind of got to show what you're made of at first. So uh, I remember personally, even um, actually before any of like the Zed stuff or, or bigger artists, I remember um, back when I was living on Oahu, I did a, I shot a club once. <laughs> was that the, part of your Stoke Life series? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. with the Chainsmokers. That's um, what it was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So I bet this was like Chainsmokers pre-Closer. <laughs> yeah. So Pre-Roses. I mean, still pretty big, but yeah. not, you know, huge for what they are now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, it was, I think a lot of the inspiration came from, like I said, Rory Kramer, who, you know, was shooting with the Chainsmokers at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was actually lucky enough um that i got to hang out with him and like i reached out i saw rory was coming so we got to chill for the day um you know i covered all of that in the stoke life and then at night we went to go shoot the chain smokers which was like super fun um and so i think that was just like an opportunity to get in front of you know a, a musical artist and like actually be able to capture things so a piece of advice i could give to anyone wanting to get into you know the music industry and being able to film artists is just getting you know that experience under your belt or just getting like a few shows you have to do them for free whether it's paid or not um it's just showing what you can do having that as a resume you you as a filmmaker your resume are your videos it is your work mm-hmm. so um yeah really it's just getting in front of the content doing your best work as you possibly can and keep keep at it you know um for me i've been on tour with elenium recently for the past few months and that's actually a consistent thing where you know i get to you know create these these series of videos for them consistently um to get to that point i mean you just you, you got to get you know work under your belt that's that's the name of the game is yeah. everything that you have to show for yourself is what you can get out of it mm-hmm not sure if that made sense. But that makes yeah. total sense. Yeah. <laughs> because some people that are just starting out and doing video, they they kind of think about what are they going to get out of it first? Like, mm-hmm. you know, what's the pay? What's all that? But yeah. the reality is if you really want to put yourself out there and, you know, really get to the next level of where you want to be, sometimes, actually a lot of the times, it takes starting out doing stuff for free even yep. getting like a press pass just mm-hmm. for a concert just so you can be there and capture some footage or whatnot and then yep. from there it's just building your portfolio because it's it has to start with a portfolio or else no one is going to know your capabilities unless exactly. you have that to show right yeah 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 and a lot of the time that takes it takes some time mm-hmm. you know it's it doesn't happen overnight and not the the best opportunities don't just come to you as quickly as you want them to most of the time. But yeah, it's just getting as much experience, as much work under your belt as you can. And 
eventually when you reach out to people, you have stuff to show them and there's no way that they can say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. So, um, in terms of gear, uh, I know we're kind of backtracking in terms of gear, no but, worries. um, for you starting with the GoPro and then now you're working with like the one DX and the multiple lenses, uh, what is your tips in terms of when to know to upgrade, mm. you know, what gear to get? In terms of, of expanding and growing, I think it's very situational. Um, for me, even now to this day, uh, GoPros kind of get the job done sometimes, whether or most it's mostly when it's underwater yeah. um, or, you know, in, in very rugged situations. But uh, I, tr- I think I treated it very situationally at first when I knew that a GoPro wasn't going to cut, you know, what I needed to get done. Um, I didn't also, I also didn't think ahead of like, oh, well, in a year's time, I'm going to need all this kind of stuff. I just kind of thought about, you know, what's going to benefit me now and for the immediate future. Um, And from there, you know, I kind of gauge the, I guess, uh, how valuable the investments that I make, how are they going to benefit me now? What can I do with them now? And what can I create? So if you're thinking for people that want to expand or like improve and upgrade their, their equipment, just ask, is it worth it at the moment for everything that you're doing or what you want to get to into in the immediate future or the opportunities that you have? Mm-hmm. Do I have already what's going to get the job done? Mm-hmm. And, you know, will this prepare me or will this, you know, push my game forward? Um, and a lot of the times you can kind of get away with what you have now, unless it's, you know, just this big client or big budget type of uh, projects. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll be surprised with, with what can get the job done. <laughs> yeah, that's very uh, true. I mean, they came out with yeah. like the, the seven, didn't they? Yeah. The yeah. Actually, recently? I got one here. Nice. Yeah. They sent one out like, uh, when it launched, but I think they're, they're still pre-order right now, right? Still pre-order. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They're, uh, yeah, they're a perfect, perfect example. I mean, GoPro is still completely invading all the things that they do. A lot of people have, I mean, these very mixed kind of, uh, I guess thoughts towards GoPro, mm-hmm. um, but still, for a company to be around for the past ten years and be completely relevant and still kind of a part of everyone's arsenal is huge. You know, yeah. I think and every single filmmaker I know has a GoPro. Mm-hmm. Like, like my family members have GoPros; they don't even do film. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just um, so small. Put it in your pocket, and yeah, I mean, the yeah. quality now is just getting better with GoPro, and they have the stabilization. Yeah. With the 4K seven. 60, the 4K 60 works really well. The stabilization on this, I haven't gotten to test it out just yet. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually wanting to just go out and run around, around on some ridges and mm-hmm. see how well it works. But yeah, I'm excited to try it out. I think it's definitely going to be a game changer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. based from the footage on YouTube, I thought yeah. they were on a gimbal, but it wasn't <laughs> crazy. It was, it was built yeah. in. I was like, wow, that is, yeah, that's <laughs> intense. Yeah, um, but. Now I want to go into just like the types of work that you're doing currently, but kind of backtrack a little bit to, cause I know you mentioned weddings. Um, and when you're starting out as a filmmaker, you know, for the most part, you have to balance your passion projects and still getting paid at the same time. Oh, yeah. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. what were some, um, earlier projects that you did to get money flowing in 
as yeah. you're creating. Oh man, this is this is going back in you know the freelancing days. Yeah. I to be completely and just like I'll be fully transparent here. When I quit my job at Queens to go as a freelance like videographer, um, it was kind of tough scrapings. You know, like I would do like you said weddings. Um, a couple projects I actually worked with uh, vape company when these were things that, like you said, were just kind of just to pay the bills, mm-hmm. not necessarily that I didn't enjoy doing them because again, it was fun to create and it was fun to film and it was fun for me to edit. and I loved it. Um, the content in it just wasn't what I was completely passionate about, but um, yeah, I was doing little brand deals. I was still kind of like, I had this Instagram thing going, so I would work out these um, influencer deals that would pay little. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really just kind of random odd jobs. I did some real estate stuff. Um, but again, I, I think I mentioned it. I always made time to go and adventure and like balance out that passion with, with making money and everything. Um, and I, I think for me, I also was, wasn't money driven. I think I would, I would do enough to just kind of get by Mm -hmm. and like, I'd live. Okay. Like I have enough to be comfortable right now get everything paid for, but I don't need any more. Like I, if, if I can, you know, I'd much rather have a week off getting to film an adventure and go camping and like film that than making an extra two grand that week and filming other stuff. So I would, I would basically just do the required amount for, for living. Uh Uh-huh. And then put everything towards the passion projects. Um, luckily now, you know, the passion projects have turned into that main source of budget. So like it's been able to, you know, I've been able to make that, I guess, transition or that leap to working out budgets for the things that I want to do and the things that I want to create, of course, in line with these people that I work with. But um, yeah, there's a little threshold that you kind of have to, I guess, push through in terms of, you know, working out things that you know can provide for your livelihood and working on those projects and balancing the passion but i think it's always important to to put the passion pretty high up in your priority list yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. do you remember that turning point where you were doing those you know projects just to get by and get some money in um, to where you're finally doing projects that align with your passion? Yeah. Um, it wasn't a set point. I can say that for now. It was, uh, it was over the course probably of the last year or year and a half. Um, a lot of it was actually, you know, I owe it to Beautiful Destinations. They kind of bridge that gap of, you know, I get to make full-time my travel passion into, you know, my livelihood and I was getting paid and, um, that became, that was a huge step for me. Um, and then once stepping back from that to the point where now I have, you know, beautiful destinations provided so much por- for my portfolio mm-hmm. that, um, now, you know, I have so much to show for my work. Um, and I'm actually still working with them, you know, for, for this next, uh, contracted series, but, you know, being, I have, I have all of this stuff to show for, these passion projects that I want to do going forward. Um, it's all just a learning curve. You know, you just, you, you, you build up your, your portfolio and what you're capable of doing. And um, 
it kind of just comes to you. I feel like it was, but yeah, it, it definitely took, you know, a year, year and a half. It's not the same for everyone, but been lucky enough to, to be where I am now. Yeah. So those projects that you're doing now, you're traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. What has been, you know, like a, the biggest challenge that you face while you're traveling and filming? It's just, just being away from everything. I think that was, uh, again, like we said, first it was balancing the money projects and the passion projects. Now it's balancing all my projects with my personal life <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's kind of consumed, you know, so much of my, my time and my passion. It's finding the time of when I can, you know, kind of tune out and get to spend time with the people that I love and, and the places that I love to be. Um, that's the real challenge. So I've been, you know, traveling for months on end and being gone for so long kind of takes a toll on, you know, strains back home and stuff. So I've been really lucky in terms of having, you know, a girlfriend and family and friends that are totally understanding and so supportive. Um, but it, it's, it's my, it's my life now, you know, and I love to do it and they know that I love to do it. So that kind of makes everyone happy. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, but it's all about balance for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Was there any challenges that you face while filming any something happened maybe you know you didn't get the exact shot you wanted or the weather didn't turn out like as you wanted and and how did you get through that if you have like a some sort of story Uh, you like to share let me try to think of an example um well i mean i guess the most recent example was our first episode that we filmed Uh, about a month ago where we had our hard drive crash on us Mm -hmm. so pretty much all of our you know content from the first week and a half to two weeks of filming was just inaccessible Uh um so that was a huge challenge huge struggle and we were it's kind of pushed us back but it was an easy fix you know we got to get all of our um you know content recovered i'm trying to think of a more situational one where you know like a camera wasn't working or something or how we had to adapt on the fly uh-huh. um i've had tons of drones crash i mean <laughs> those are the, the most common ones you know uh-huh. like the drone i lost one in uh dubai once crashed it into the side of a mountain oh at uh, least it wasn't one of the buildings no yeah that would have been to- <laughs> oh. i've actually i've never droned in the city before uh-huh. I, I feel like it's very very risky very ballsy. yeah very risky <laughs> business when you do that yeah um yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of what else. I've had water housings kind of crap out. Oh man, not not enough to the point where like it ruins any footage, but um, like where buttons don't work or like things aren't aligning, and we're out in the middle of the ocean. Actually, and that was another dude. So much went wrong on this first episode. So here's another thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so part of the episode, we went manta ray diving. So we dove with manta rays off the coast of Kona in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're we're not that far off, but we're definitely about half an hour out from any kind of, you know, civilization or anything. Uh-huh. And uh, we brought this water housing for the 1DX out with us. Um, and so we get it in. We set everything up correctly. And it's actually for, it was the wrong housing. It was for the 1DX Mark 1 instead of the Mark 2. The only difference, the only difference between it is the start and stop button is 
two or like three millimeters off. So oh, the man. button on the housing didn't line up with that start stop record button. And it was just told, it was like a total slap in the face. And we're like, how did we miss this? Um, and so, I mean, we worked around it. We, <laughs> we had to start recording before we put it in the housing. And so we got, we just oh, all okay. of it going through and we got this big 15 minute file and it was amazing footage. It's so worth it. But yeah. just like that, such a, you know, it's just like a almost defeating us kind mm-hmm. of thing. But, we, but you got the shot. Oh, we got we had some amazing stuff. Yeah, yeah, very very cool. And it's all at night, so oh, the way okay. these yeah the way these manta um, dives happen is they they're attracted to the krill or some type of mm-hmm. plankton that gets attracted to these lights. So pitch black in the water, and all you see are these big, uh, just beams of light coming out from these high high voltage um flashlights Mm -hmm. and just swooping by these huge you know 15 foot manta rays that just glide through the water it's one of the coolest things ever so the footage was just i mean i would have gladly uh just like sank my camera for it and (laughs) just to shoot that stuff it was really Uh cool yeah wow so like was that was that like the uh i don't think that was the closest you've been to like those types of animals like because they're huge right those those yeah. manta rays can get they're big massive. was mm-hmm. there another situation where you were like really close to nature in that sense oh man um in the philippines whale sharks yeah no joke How are huge they're just like well the, the whale sharks that we were around are just massive um and so but they're completely docile you know mm-hmm. like they don't attack and they're they're completely not dangerous mm-hmm. but um yeah just being up next to a huge creature like i i've there's there was multiple instances where it just like goes right past my face and it's like startling because uh-huh. they're you know i don't know how big it's like a size 30, of a bus or something yeah they're huge um but that stuff just really makes you feel like puts you in perspective like you're so tiny compared to these things like uh-huh. Um, the experience is just amazing. And I, I think going for like moving forward, like I want to like, uh, dive with, with whales. Um, cause they do that off the coast of like Tonga and Fiji. Those are some of the experiences I still want to, you know, kind of get to, to feel and see, um, or even just like natural beauty where it's these giant cliffs. Like I, I am totally in love with feeling small mm-hmm. to nature. You know, it put it makes you so much more humble. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it definitely yeah. does. What's the one place that you haven't gone to yet but want to film? Ooh, um, off the top of my head, it would be Nepal or Cambodia or some type of, um, you know, in that in that region, some type of country there. Just because I think it's completely different from anything I've ever done or shot or seen. Um, and there's so much, you know, different, I guess, stories to be told. And it's a it's a very like opening type of place. And so that's what I'm all about. And I want to expand, you know, my experiences and see new things. And I hope people I know a lot of people can kind of connect with that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, they <laughs> have I mean, in Nepal specifically, I mean, you got the Himalayas and mm-hmm. the people there, um, you know, 
they're just a different breed there. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. Yeah. I think Completely. Sam, did Sam create a video? He did. He was there yeah. recently. Oh, no, he, recently, uh, but he did. I think in the beginning of this year, yeah, he was in Nepal and did did a great piece on it. He just, you know, documented his time there. He did a, he hiked to Annapurna, which is, I guess, uh, a mountain range in the Himalayas or somewhere in Nepal. I'm kind of just sitballing. It's in that area. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and just his experience with uh, a really good organization, organization there called Raksha, which were um, protecting uh, these underage girls from sex trafficking and, mm-hmm. you know, all the, the problems that happen in that side of the world. Um, so that's really, I mean, there's so much, you know, depth to, to these countries. And that's really what I'm looking for these days is, you know, what's going to be compelling and what's very, I guess, eye opening to people. Yeah. Um, I feel like Nepal is just totally out there from what anyone's kind of, you know, seen in our Western world, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a different world out there Mm -hmm. for sure from what I heard. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But for you personally, as you create videos, how do you stay creative? Um, I take, I I feel like I take a lot of inspiration, I guess recently from music. Um, I've been lucky enough to be able to tour with Elenium who's, uh, I've work I've admired forever. And so to be able to work with them, it's been a dream um, where I think my creativity is kind of expanding now is, is more towards trying to create in different ways. So I've recently gotten into like music production and trying to do these uh, type of composing for the videos that I'm creating now where it's mashing up or just being more, uh, I guess, impactful on the music side of what I'm doing, um, sound design, all of that type of sense. So I think there's never a shortage of like any kind of creativity there either. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just like overall content of what I'm creating, um, I get a lot of inspiration from my friends, you know, and, and other like-minded creators and people that are, uh, you know, doing good work. So I stay inspired just because I know that there's never an amount of like shortage in experiences that I can see or like what I want to portray to people. Um, I guess emotionally, like you can always make people feel totally different in whatever it is that you're making. And so I feel like music has a big impact on that. And that's why I want to expand in that sense Um, and just tell deeper stories visually audio wise and uh yeah it's I'm, I'm at a cool point i feel like i'm just starting to be like that kid in a candy shop again with music and then mm-hmm. freaking just taking all that i learned there and putting it into the visuals i feel like it's going to be really exciting for me um i think everyone can kind of you know find ways like that can keep their creativity going too and inspiration just flows yeah <laughs> yeah i like what you said basically taking experiences from different aspects of your life mm-hmm. and applying that into your video um, creativity. I mean, not just focusing on the creative aspect of visual um, mm-hmm. for video, but like you said, creating your own mixes. Because um, I think you did, I think it was one video I think you did for Alenium. Did you do a remix for that? 
Yeah, I think yeah, he did. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, and I, like I was looking down the comments. Remix. Yeah. Yeah, type of yeah, yeah. yeah. I was looking down so, the comments, and <laughs> someone said, "Whoa, where can I find this remix?" And <laughs> you put, "Oh, I made it." I made so, it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, "Oh, that is awesome." It's you a know? pretty cool feeling, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's like to be able, and I think that was like a goal for me was, you know. And and still, one day I want to just fully be able to create something front to back. Every single aspect is mine, where there's like the music, the sounds, visuals, um, and just kind of own it, you know. And that's that's a goal for me, and I, I think it's very very possible. <laughs> yeah, I think um, so too. Yeah, and it's crazy what uh, what you mentioned with you know tying these other aspects together um, in in a creativity sense. I was just thinking about it earlier today, but a big inspiration for that also is, you know, being with the Elenium team because with Nick and and his music, what they do with their, uh, their tours. So this awake tour that I'm actually documenting, um, they've taken, you know, all these different type of aspects of like live instruments of drums and, um, you know, guitars, taikos, and then the visual, uh, like all the CGI that goes into it, it's all to provide this big experience for the viewer. Um, just ties perfectly into like how you can always expand your creativity. Like there's no limit to like what you can combine overall to create this, you know, immersive experience for whoever's watching your work. Um, so they've been very, I guess, inspirational in that sense. And I think kind of planted in my head this whole you can create your music for this too. So, um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where, where it all goes for everyone now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I I mean, when you're around other creative people, um, and I think even more so ones that are kind of outside of Mm -hmm. what you do, Yes, it really strengthens your creativity for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very awesome. So when you are, creating these documentaries because i know you want to get more into documentaries um mm-hmm. what is your what is your process what do you look for when you get there um what do you do you plan beforehand on what you know you want to shoot can you kind of expand on that yeah it uh well so i guess the the most recent example i should talk about is with the elenium like sort of type of mini docs that i'm doing now um I definitely, a, a bit of pre-planning kind of goes into it. There's definitely some kind of idea that has to form with me before I get there and um, start doing my thing. Um, and so, for examples, I've done three, I'm working on, I've actually got probably about six total videos coming out with them. But the first three um, have kind of had these themes to them or these ideas of what I wanted to kind of document in that specific episode. Um so for the first episode with uh, Shanghai, with his series that you can watch on his YouTube channel, um, really kind of covers Nick's uh, reason of why he got into music and like why he's, um, you know, so passionate about what he does and a bit of like the, the travel, I guess, idea behind what he's doing. And that ties in perfectly with what I do. Mm. Um, so I thought about that beforehand. Um, and when I, talked with him to kind of get that story out of him you know I, I kind of planned a bit of what I knew one wanted to be had so, or wanted to be said so I had it kind of playing in my head for a bit of time and then just executing it and then finally pushing it out um, 
was how that process went. Um, and then thinking forward for to the next episodes, they all just kind of have a different twist of like what his story is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my goal, I think, with the entirety of the series is to give a spectrum of Nick as an artist, what he is, why he does what he does, um, all the experiences that have come from it and just the very, I guess, more depth to it than just these, you know, hype up festival type of videos that you see all the time um, that show only the good times and don't show the whole process and show, um, you know, the behind the scenes stuff. Mm. Um, So back to your question, I think a lot of, I think, yeah, I, I, I definitely do a lot of planning in my head beforehand. Um, just trying to think of compelling stories to tell or things that might be overlooked normally um, and trying to convey that into an overall video. Mm-hmm. That's usually, Most of the time that's through narrative, through visuals and through this combination of, you know, uh, just hype editing, I guess you could call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the overall goal is to make people connect and emotionally be affected by my work um and a lot of the times they connect with stories and so when people get deeper looks into things it's it's fun and it's it's a good experience for everyone i guess yeah so i know you kind of touched upon your why and why you do it but i'll just ask it again uh, for you currently right now why do you continue to film and do what you do i think uh, i've been thinking about this for you know the last couple of weeks and actually writing them down too but I've always kind of stood for wanting to improve myself you know wanting to improve my life and better my situation my work in in some ways and and be always growing um and so most of the time I think that entails uh being an inspiration in some sense where I know that if I can do what I want to do and grow, then it doesn't like, there's no difference between me and someone else who was in my position, you know, earlier to do the same thing. Um, And so I really always think back to, I guess my early days when I'm just like, I just feel so lucky to be here, you know? And I know for a fact, there's people that went through the same feelings that I had of just not knowing what I want to do with my life or not having any clue of what's going on. Um, And so I think my goal is just to keep doing what I'm doing because (laughs) the best thing I can do is to be an example um, and just to be proud of myself in some way. So um, if that helps other people, then that's just huge, you know, and if that can affect people and just like connect with anyone, that's, that's the overall goal. Mm -hmm. Because you never know who you're actually influencing and affecting through your work. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's just that one person to be influenced and maybe they're on that line of whether they want to go full in onto filmmaking or stick with their job. And maybe that video that you made really pushed them over that edge yeah. and now they're doing what they love to do. Yeah. So you never know. It's awesome. It's yeah. very cool, man. Yeah. So two more questions, but just want to say I really appreciate you being on this show because you've been providing some awesome content and I know like everyone listening right now is is uh, gonna love it 
or is loving it as they're listening to it. Um, but the first question is what would be one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self, um, that you wish you would have known back then? One of the biggest things I think that I struggled with or a younger me was just overthinking. And so the advice that I would give myself is just to, you know, be quiet that voice in your head that's questioning, quiet that voice that doubts, um, that thinks that you're not good enough or like that you won't be able to make this happen. Just just tell it to stop because it's so much more peaceful when you're, you know, just going with things and flowing um, and not creating more stress for yourself when you overthink and doubt. Um, that's a big one and actually something I still practice now because it never actually goes away. I feel like it just kind of changes with your situation and whether you improve, you just have different doubts. So yeah, as a, as a young, I guess, uh, person who one who was very just anxious and over, thinking everything all the time i would just tell myself to relax and just trust the process and trust that things always work out and i think that goes for everyone 100 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that's great advice um you know we, we always have that voice in our head like you said yeah um kind of mm-hmm. second guessing things but deep down in our gut we kind of know that's something that we should do whatever it is um and we just got to pursue it you know most yeah most of the time if you're feeling that you shouldn't do something or if you're the head and the voice in your head is telling you not to, you probably should because it's, you know, something that you only grow from it and you only challenge yourself. And it's the things that makes us uncomfortable that, you know, progress us. Um, yeah. And I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of keep that close and uh, just guide a lot of what I do from that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So what's, in the future of Nainoa, what do you have planned? Uh, yeah. Anything you'd like to share? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've kind of shared the projects, the big projects mm-hmm. that have um, moving forward. That's going to be like, I guess for the immediate future, uh, a big chunk of everything I'm doing. So it's that series um, with Sam himself uh, doing that whole travel series and episodic thing. And then, hopefully working more with Elenium, doing more of this type of mini documentary, documentary type of uh, content. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forward creatively, I hopefully you'll see more music stuff from me possibly uh, and tying that in with film also. And yeah, man, it's just, it's going to be good times always. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and just growing and expanding in, in what we create. I definitely want to get into some kind of, I guess full length documentary soon sometime, but that's in the future. I'm not going to get too ahead of myself and yeah, I'm just going to keep, keep creating, keep doing what I do. Yeah. One step at a time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to thank you again. Um, you have provided some gold to this podcast and for all of you listening right now, um, I hope you appreciated what Nainoa had to say because, you know, he took the time to sit here with me and all of you. And so thank you, Nainoa, and I wish you all the best in your filmmaking career. 
thank you so much for having me, man. It was a great chat. Hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll chat again soon. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I'll be placing Nanoa's social media links in the show notes so you can stay connected. And if you got great content out of this episode and know someone that can benefit from it, please share it. So thanks again for joining in. And until next time, I'll see you in the next episode. Peace.